back to Double Trouble. This is Chloe. And this is Tess. And we're here to tell you a tale. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, um, what have you been up to this week? I have been dead inside. Every week, bro. She can't just tell us what she did. She has to say some kind of bullshit before it. Whoa. Do I actually do that? Yeah. (laughs) Every single week, you're like, I died and I... I swear to God. Do I? Oh, shit. Okay. Well, I ha- I was dead because I had a fever Okay, all week. this is the only week I'll let you say that. Well, okay. And then I was feeling better, so I'm fine. I don't have COVID. I have two negative tests. I just have health issues, just girly things. Love that for you. Um. Yes. So, I mean, that's honestly, like, I literally have not gone out. I have not done anything because I've had, I've been fucking sick. You just worked, right? Yeah, I just worked, and then I went and did some testing to see why I'm, like, sick. Mm-hmm. I had a doctor's appointment. Yesterday, we went to Dutch. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. We saw you yesterday. I don't know why we did, but we saw you. Was there some reason we went over to Mom's house? Oh, right. Okay, yeah, so we had that thing. We're working on some behind-the-scenes stuff for the yeah. podcast. Yeah, we just had some admin stuff, so that's why I saw you yesterday. Yeah, I think that's literally all I've done this weekend. <laughs> and then this morning, Alistair and I went and got breakfast. Becky! There was a hair in my eggs. <gasps> Bro. I want to Today is not really good food day for me. Today is not. Oh so Tess God. and I ordered Panera for dinner, and they have this new fucking dressing for their chicken Caesar salad. And it just looks fucking gross. It doesn't taste good either. And then fucking... Apparently. I don't know. Chloe's also kind of a picky eater, so I don't know if these, I'm are, not, if these honestly, are true statements. No, because, like, I'll eat every single fucking vegetable you throw at me, dude. Like, I... The only... There's, like, things... I don't like mustard. I don't like cilantro. But it's because I have the genes. So, like, you know? I don't know. There's not much that I won't eat besides, like, fucking that... That fucking Caesar salad was, like, so bland, though. Mm, I don't know. The dressing was bland. And then we fucking got shortbread cookies that are all cute for spring. They're all fucking tulip. Yeah, they're fucking lemon-flavored. I don't like lemon-flavored fucking dessert. I'm pissed. They're pretty good, guys. No. I didn't (laughs) want lemon. I just wanted a fucking sugar cookie. And it's not even, like, a pungent lemon flavor. It's, like, maybe at the very end you get a slight lemon flavor. And Chloe's like, it's a lemon! And I was like, bro, I'm sorry that you have COVID, but I know how to taste things. Mm, I don't have COVID. I'm oh. vaccinated from COVID. Oh, okay. Way to rub that in my face. Hey, guys, Sorry. remember when I said I have health issues? I can't get the vaccine, though. I'm not a public worker. Love AZ. LMAO. I know you can volunteer and do stuff, but... Okay, that's my favorite. They're like, do you want to volunteer in direct traffic for three hours? And it's like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not physically abled enough to do that. It hurts my back. Which kind of sucks. Literally, it's like the least. They're like, hey, if you want to get vaccinated early, do some community service. And I'm like, all right, what can I do? And they're like... Do you mm. want to direct traffic? You can stay and I'm like, absolutely not. Um, absolutely that is not. going to fuck me up. So that's what I did. I will say, though, I got the new fucking almond milk chocolate shaken thing. Oh, was a- that one good? Yes. And I'm going to say this. I don't like Whoppers. A lot of people hate me for that. I don't give a fuck. Eh, they're okay. But it's got chocolate malt in it. So and it tastes actually like a really good. Yeah, it's like a light wh- Whopper. It's like a... It's almost like a diet Whopper, I well, feel like. Because I know Starbucks put that one out, and then they put out the brown sugar oat milk one, which is I'm also phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, see, I like that one. And I probably wouldn't like the chocolate one. Is the is the brown sugar really sweet? No. It tastes okay. like It literally tastes like coffee with, like, maybe. maybe. It tastes like if you were to dip a shortbread, like, cinnamon or brown sugar cookie into coffee. That's what it tastes like. That actually sounds good. It's then. pretty good. Well, because I, I mean, I got 
brown sugar boba one time and I literally gagged. It was Ew, so sweet. It was no. fucking nasty. No, you, I no, was not. They, they don't make it too sweet. It's really, yeah. it's really good. I would go out and try it if you have not because yeah. it's really, really good. I haven't tried the well, chocolate one, so I'm glad that was it was good. good. No, it was really fucking good. I was surprised. They like, yeah, you know how sometimes they put out drinks and you're like, eh, this is all right. Like that pistachio one a couple That's months how I ago. Felt, to be honest. But I the, thought it was okay, mm-hmm. but yeah. these two are like bangers. No. Well, and that's the nice thing. It's like, it's not too chocolatey. Like, it's not having like a double chocolate chip frappuccino or something. Or like a mocha It's or just enough that you're yeah. like, oh, okay, I can taste that. And the malt's like a different flavor than normal chocolate. Yeah. Beautiful. Supreme. But that was my fucking weekend. How Superb. was yours? So, this week, I... What did I do? Oh, I got an Apple Watch over this past weekend, and so I have been... Like, testing that out and using it this week, and I'm now a stan. Um, I am an Apple Watch bitch now. I really like it to keep track of my activity and my steps and everything. Yeah, that's cool. I like to keep track of that. I'm one of those bitches that's always, like, you know, you're getting your steps for the day. That's literally me. I just like when people can change the music on their wrist. I No, yeah, that's pretty cool, too. Um, So maybe that'll be cool for working out and stuff, because I'm not, you know, an avid gym goer by any means, but I do, I am going to try, shut up. I am going to uh, try and be more consistent about it. I've had a bad kind of month, so I kind of fell off of it a little bit. But I do go, like, a decent amount. So I'm going to kind of try it out at the gym and see how it works as well. So I'm excited. It's been a good week because of that. I also got my second COVID vaccine this week, and I know a lot of people have symptoms with their second COVID vaccine, and I actually did not. So that was really cool. Yeah. I didn't expect that. So I was expecting to be sick and feel like shit, uh, but I didn't. So it was really cool. And then this weekend, I have been hanging out with my parents' dog, Susie Q, because they're out of town, so I puppy sit for them usually when they're out of town, so that's pretty cool. It means I get to snuggle the dog. That's, you know, it's She's chill. sleeping. And I just get, like, a chill weekend, so. She said, I'm slumped. Yeah, it's been really chill. It's been a good weekend. Saw some friends yesterday, and they met Susie for the first time. Hi, Mariah. Hi, Steph, if you're listening. Oh, they go over? Yeah, I went to their place. Oh, okay. And they cute. they've been like wanting to meet Susie for so long. For the like for those of you that don't know, Susie is a dachshund, and I post about her all the time on my Snapchat story. So my friends see her a lot, and Mariah and Steph are like in love with her, and they've been in love with her, and so they're they're always like, let us meet her. So they finally met her. They were in love. Like I knew they would be. So <laughs> it was a good weekend. Yeah, looking forward to next week, I guess. No, dude, fucking support you. Damn, we in good mental states this week. Well, I know. My food's all fucked up. I'm angry. So sorry about that. Angry white woman, Karen who? Chloe who? I mean, honestly. (laughs) All right, guys. So this week, I'm going to be telling you the background and kind of the story of the Cecil Hotel. And the reason why I kind of wanted to talk about this topic is because, first and foremost, I saw... The Netflix documentary that is about the Cecil Hotel and specifically about the case of Elisa Lamb, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. If you're a true crime person, you have definitely heard of that case mm-hmm. for sure. It's a very big case in the true crime community. So I watched the documentary and I mean, I enjoyed it. I like the history and I didn't actually know the whole story of Elisa Lamb. It was really nice to get kind of an in-depth look at it. Yeah. So I will talk about her a little bit, but this is more, this episode is more about the actual hotel and its background and kind of its spooky There's a lot. and kind of morbid aspects of it because it's yeah. not just Elisa Lamb's case. There's a whole lot of other happenings and things like that that have made this hotel what it is, it's a true crime hotspot. I gotta be honest with you, I felt like you were encroaching on my territory a little with this haunted hotel shit that you got fucking going on here. Not even. 
No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't even think. It's you not know even, what I was thinking. It's too? not even that it's haunted. It's just that people get bad vibes. I think. I don't think it's haunted. Mm, I doubt uh, that. Because maybe not as severely haunted as other places is what I mean. I don't know, man. I don't I'm, think it's haunted. I think there's bad energy there. And there's bad, that, you know, okay. I don't I think it's haunted, though. though. Yeah, no, that's totally valid. You know, that's just me. I, like, after, and I don't know, maybe if I went and stayed there, I would feel differently. I'm kind of into the historic things, guys, so that's why this really kind of spoke to me, because yeah. I have known about the Cecil Hotel for a little bit now. Um, not everything about it, so this was really cool to research. I had a lot of fun researching it and putting the script together, so I'm really excited to tell you the story about it and tell you the background and how it came to be what it is today. Yeah, dude, let's fucking jump into it. So the Cecil Hotel was opened in December of 1924, and it was a budget hotel in downtown Los Angeles. It is located at 640 South Main Street, and its original purpose was to be a destination for business travelers and tourists. Mm. It was built by three hoteliers, William Banks Hanner, Charles L. Dix, and Robert H. Shops. And like I said, it was a destination for business travelers and tourists. Mm. It is a 19-floor hotel, and it has 700 rooms. We'll kind of talk about how those rooms are broken up in a little bit. It cost $1.5 million at the time to complete, and it was really set out to be an opulent hotel. It had marble in the lobby, it had stained glass windows, there were potted palms, and statues as well. And in total, the three hoteliers invested about $2.5 million in it, with the knowledge that several of the hotels around them were kind of similar, so they wanted this one to be the place to go. Yeah. There was a lot of hotels in this, like, in this area at the time, and they wanted this one to be better than the others, hence, like, the, the opulent lobby. However, unfortunately, within five years of its opening, the United States is going to encounter the Great Depression, and it's going to sink into that. So unfortunately, that's going to affect the livelihood of the people in that area, obviously, yeah. and the majority of people in the United States. Well, from what I was researching, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you, um, is that they had to basically lower their prices to essentially dirt cheap because it, there was, it was like no one could afford to live there. Mm -hmm. So they essentially were catering to people that were homeless and transient at the time. And then that's probably where their they, their customer base came from. Yeah, honestly. Exactly. Because, because it's not going to change from there. I um, mean, we're talking about the Great Depression. It is what it is. Right. And so it was successful definitely through the 1940s, I would mm -hmm. say. And then after that, there's going to be a decline in both the quality of the hotel and the the customer base that seeks shelter there is also going to decline as well. Not yeah. saying that they're bad people, obviously, but they're kind of sketchy people, it's you know. It's kind of like the hotels that aren't surrounded by neon lights in Vegas. It's like a Motel 6. We know what's going on. If think about it. Like, <laughs> we know. Yeah. A little sketchy. And also, what didn't help is that a nearby area known as Skid Row would become increasingly populated during this time as well. And we'll kind of talk about what that is as well. Mm -hmm. Along with the bad location, it's right next to Skid Row, there's a lot of suicides and death and violence that occur mm -hmm. in the years of the hotel being open as well. So it's notorious for violence. It's notorious for adulterous couples, a lot of drug activity, and also it's a hub for prostitution as well. This hotel has been, in its years, it's been nicknamed a lot of things, but mm -hmm. I would say the more prominent things that it's been nicknamed are the Suicide Hotel, and you'll see why, mm -hmm. and also Hotel Death. 
What about Hotel California? What the fuck? Welcome to the We're hotel. already in LA, you motherfuckers. No, I'm Sans just kidding. California. <gasps> that was nice. Thank nice. you. Nice one. Thank you. Let's talk about Skid Row a little bit so that way we have a little bit of a background and some depth of knowledge about it because I know not everyone is from California. Not everyone's going to know what that is. Or maybe some people just haven't heard of it. Skid Row is a 56 block area in downtown Los Angeles and that's existed for over 100 years. So... Basically, Skid Row has been around the same amount of time that the Cecil Hotel has been around. Wow. It's one of the poorest areas in the world, and approximately 8,000 to 10,000 individuals, you can't really pinpoint it because they're transients, they move around a lot, yeah. currently reside there. It has a super long history of police raids, drug addiction, sex workers, mental illness, unfortunately, because that's going to come along with all these things, mm-hmm. and homelessness as well. Yeah. The term Skid Row, or Skid Road, refers to an area of a city where people who live are on the skids. It comes from a logging term. Loggers back in the day would transport their logs to a nearby river by sliding them down roads made from greased skids. That's, I don't fucking like that, man. So that's where the term comes from. And it, this term has come to be used for places where people have no money and they don't do anything. They gather in these areas because they have nowhere else to go. I don't- it's the generic term in English-speaking North America for a depressed street in a city. I just don't fucking like that. I'd like, yeah. I don't understand why people are so mean to like people who have issues. You know? No, for sure. It's like, God, I'm sorry. And I know that sounds stupid, but it just bothers me. And you'll hear how basically there hasn't been, especially when it was first starting out, there was not a lot of help for these people either. Yeah. So you can only guess how it just congregated and how they, you know, they have to stick together. Because yeah. what well, else are they going to do? Right. So Skid Row... And the downtown L.A. area was a little bit of background in this area again. So as Skid Row was becoming more populated, uh, basically the start and kind of the location of where the Cecil Hotel is, towards the end of the 19th century, which is going to be the 1800s, everyone, a number of... uh, Some people don't know. I hate how it does that shit. That shit confused me when I was younger. Same. The only reason I really know it is because I'm history major so i would say most people still yeah. don't know that kind of thing no, so right. like i was saying a lot of residential hotels opened up in this area and as it became more of a population of transient laborers and seasonal laborers so mm. these kind of hotels popped up because people would need a place to stay for more than just a day they would need a place to stay for maybe weeks or months on end By the 1930s, this area was home to as many as 10,000 homeless people, alcoholics, and others on the margins of society. Mm. It supported saloons, residential hotels, and social services, which drew people from those populations to congregate to the area. It almost sounds like, you know, a a country town, like a cowboy. Yeah, but like, saloon would would soon come to be called, like, Like you know, a bar. Like, saloon is the end of the 1800s It just reminds me of that, because it's like, you Mm -hmm. know. No, I get you. So over time, this building was upstaged by other nicer hotels in other parts of town. Skipping ahead a little bit to the 50s, in 1956, the city of Los Angeles was in the midst of a program to rehabilitate, quotation marks there, Hmm. Skid Row through the clearance of decaying buildings. So here's what happened. There were administrative hearings to basically compel the destruction of properties at the expenses of the owner, unfortunately. So... These owners of these decaying buildings didn't have a choice. They had to do something about their building. So what they did for cost effectiveness is they would, instead of 
adhering to repairs that needed to be made, they would just knock down the buildings. And I'm sure that these buildings were being used by transients and probably homeless people who needed a place to stay, and it was a roof over the head. So by 1960, the clearance program was said to have been 87% complete in the Skid Row area, and unfortunately, many residents of the area found themselves homeless with the loss of half of the affordable housing provided by hotels as well. That sounds so like if a so. hotel was going out of business, those would get knocked down too. You can't afford the other hotel prices around. Unfortunately, that leads to homelessness. They're like, let's make it look prettier. And everyone's like, yep. stop dentrifying the fucking... Yeah, and that's a big problem in this area as well. Because you look at one one corner of downtown LA, you see gentrification. You look at the next corner and there's a homeless person on the on the corner. It's, it's just, weird. They don't add up, you know? They don't match up, and it's very sad. Well, let's talk about it, ladies and gentlemen. It's the lack of shared wealth. Yes. <laughs> We're both socialists. That literally is what it is. It's, it's because... <laughs> no, it's... It, and you're not wrong. It's like, it's just because, unfortunately, that's where they have settled, and people yeah. want to come in and make it prettier, and where else are they supposed to go? No, you're not wrong. That, I mean, yeah. it's the same with, you know, animals mm-hmm. that come out. Yeah. So... By the 70s, Skid Row was mostly comprised of actually single older white men. But after decades of, here we go, racialized residential segregation, employment discrimination, and financial redlining, this area mm. became disproportionately populated by people of color, specifically black Americans. In 1975, the city adopted, so here's another thing that they did, <sighs> the city adopted a redevelopment plan, which included the policy of containment. And I bet you can guess what this was. Oh, A no. program that concentrated people experiencing homelessness and social service agencies in one area. So again, where else are these people supposed to go except for where the social services are? That's They're cramming them all in this one space to yeah. try and make LA prettier. Jesus. And try and, you know, cut down on it, but that's not what's happening. They just all they're just all in one area now. Yeah. Basically these kinds of changes and more initiatives have been taking place since this time period. They're just not as big. These were some really big ones. Mm-hmm. I know there were some crackdowns in the eighties as well and probably the nineties. But they haven't been as successful because there's more protest groups yeah, and people, people in support of the homeless. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So those aren't are successful because, like I said, there's more support for homeless people. It's more common nowadays and in, I think in the 80s and 90s than it was before that. Yeah. Probably because it's more prevalent now. Well, I mean, was. people also talk about how, you know, things that happened back then wouldn't happen now because we have social media. You can see something that's happening across the world right. on your phone. Mm-hmm. So it's like we can see shit if they're trying to gentrify all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Some of these initiatives to clean up Skid Row, they they vary from a ban on tent camping. I think that happened in the 80s or 90s Mm -hmm. um, and probably is still happening. Or as far as police and fire department raids going through and trying to... Mm -hmm. I think they were trying to find people that were committing crimes and then just jail them as opposed to having them on the streets. And I'm like, why is the the fire department helping out in that? Like, that does not sound like your area of expertise, homie. Almost all of the homeless services are located in this one area. Really, only the place to go if you're homeless and you want assistance is Skid Row, and it's become a dumping ground, says Skid Row historian Dr. Doug Mungin. And actually, what they found in the 90s and today is that after people are released from prison or jail or from mental health facilities, they're actually dropped off on Skid Row by buses because the city wants to make sure that these types of people remain separated from the the rest of Los Angeles. That is fucked up. 
Holy I don't know shit. if they still do that, Dude. but I would say it's more common of uh, not. If if you don't have someone to pick you up from jail or yeah. from these facilities, they will bus you to oh around God. this area. Yeah. If you're in the area, like, Jeez. you know, LA. Because that's where people are who are kind of like on their yeah. bare bones and yeah. you need to start again. So that's also not helping by not adding yeah. to the population. Mm-hmm. Many of the inhabitants of Skid Row live in makeshift tents on the streets. They live in abandoned buildings, hence that clearance of the buildings in the 60s. They live in transport hubs, and overall, they just live in really poor conditions, obviously. Yeah. When I was watching the documentary, one of the things that people aren't happy about is they kind of criticized the show for a couple different points, and one of those being the fact that this show points out Skid Row in connection to the Cecil Hotel, but it doesn't point out Skid Row's connection to systems of white supremacy and systematic oppression and racism, and that's how you know, this this area ultimately led to addiction, crime, and mental health issues. It's it not, doesn't really mention that. It's not fair to point the finger at the location. And exactly, that's yeah, what it is. No. The Cecil Hotel is subject to these people as customers. However, that's not these people's faults that they had to stay here. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. The Cecil Hotel at, is their only their only option you look at for society, some people. You, know? you look so, at how they're being treated. So that was a big thing that I saw mm-hmm. online and I was researching. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, they, yeah, they, went over, they went over the homeless population, but they did not say anything about how they got there well so, you probably don't want to blame you know you don't want to be blaming you know you're I, filming at the hotel and i just I, which it know, sucks either way you know the the documentary was not about skid row i yeah. understand that so uh, that's the only reason why i could say maybe they didn't mention it they did mm-hmm. mention how it's a dumping ground and how people got there but they did not mention the past yeah so okay. that's where that quote came from i believe is from the documentary okay so unfortunately all these things are going to mainly affect marginalized groups of people Let's go into the history, the dark history, the true crime history Mm. of the Cecil Hotel specifically now. Yeah. So the first documented death and suicide at the Cecil Hotel occurred in 1927. And since then, there's been over a dozen other deaths, suicides, overdoses, and murders that have taken place in the hotel. I actually have a list of the deaths that have occurred at the Cecil Hotel. I'm going to go over it really quick. I want... Chloe, if you can, can you keep a tally of how many suicides oh, yeah, occur? Sure, sure. sure. So no, this that fine. way we have you're like fine. a good... And these aren't even all the documented ones, I want to say. These no, are you're, like, you're right. Yeah. I so I just want to keep a count of how mm-hmm. many from 1927 to its closure, uh, spoiler alert, in 2017. Okay. First one's going to be January 22nd, 1927. Percy Ormond Cook. He shot himself in the head while he was inside his hotel room after a failed reconciliation with his wife and child. Mm. He was rushed to the hospital, but unfortunately he died the same evening. November 19, 1931, W.K. Norton was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. He had checked into the hotel under the names James Willies from Chicago. Mm. And that's kind of a common thing in this hotel is people checking in under false names. Because, again, it's a type of people that check in. They don't want to be found. September 1932, Benjamin Doddich, he was found by a maid with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. So suicide suicide note was left. July 1934, Sergeant Louis D. Borden. He was a former Army Medical Corps sergeant. He was found dead in his room. He had slashed his throat with a razor. He left behind several notes, one of which cited his poor health as the reason for his suicide. March 1937, Grace E. Magro. And this is also a very common occurrence of deaths at the hotel. Mm-hmm. Magro fell from a ninth-story window. Her fall was broken by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. Mm-hmm. She was rushed to the hospital, where she later died. 
They were unable to determine whether it was a death by suicide or an accident. So we'll just call that one a death. January 1938, Roy Thompson. Thompson jumped from the Cecil's top floor and was found on the skylight of a neighboring building. There's a lot of buildings surrounding the Cecil that are of varying heights. So... And they're very close together. Mm-hmm. Buildings go up in cities. They don't go wide. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you want to fit more no, people. No, you're right. So yeah. varying heights. Yeah. So varying heights. Um, there's a lot around the Cecil Hotel. He had been staying at the Cecil for several weeks. So he was one of those tenants who was there for, yeah. you know, weeks upon months. May 1939, Erwin C. Neblett. He was a Navy officer, and he was found dead in his room after ingesting poison. Oof. January 1940, Dorothy Seeger. She ingested poison while staying at the Cecil. No further reports were published about her condition. Her death is listed as January 12th, 1940. September 1944, this one's wild. Dorothy Jean Purcell. Oh, yeah. The person who died is not Dorothy. (laughs) So... Purcell was sharing a room with her boyfriend at the Cecil, Ben Levine, and he was 38. She had been unaware that she was pregnant, supposedly, so she went into labor. And she did not want to disrupt her sleeping boyfriend, so she goes into the bathroom and gives birth to her baby. Can we just take a second and say, fuck men? I would wake my boyfriend up. Well, yeah. She obviously, like, didn't know she was in labor, but on top of that... It sounds like, from what I understand, he was a lot older than her. Mm -hmm. So, frankly, I don't think this is a cohesive relationship, if you understand what I'm... So, again, maybe she just... You know how... You know those I didn't know I was pregnant stories? Where people go to the bathroom and then they have a baby? They do be happy. I'm thinking that's what happened. She thought the baby was dead, and here's her solution, guys. She threw him out the window. He was not dead. The baby landed on a roof adjacent to the building. He died, yeah. Purcell was charged with murder. However, on her trial, psychiatrists testified that she was mentally confused at the time of the incident. Can you blame her? And in January 1945, she was found not guilty by cause of insanity. Yeah. November 1947, Robert Smith. Smith died after jumping from one of Cecil's seventh floor windows. Jeez. October 22nd, 1954. Helen Gurney. She jumped from the window of her seventh floor room and landed on top of Cecil's marquee. That's what I'm saying. Why are all these people jumping, bro? This is like the place to jump, I guess. One week prior, she had registered at the hotel under the name Margaret Brown. February 11th, 1962, Julia Frances Moore. Moore jumped from the window of her eighth floor room and landed in a second story interior light well. She did not leave a suicide note. Among her possessions was a bus ticket from St. Louis, 59 cents in change, and an Illinois bank book showing a balance of $1,800. Girl, you kill yourself. I don't know why. Yeah, she she had some money. That stimmy hit. That stimmy hit. It hit her account, let me tell you. I'm so fucking sorry. October 12th, 1962. <laughs> two people, and this one's really unfortunate, actually. Oh. Pauline Otten, 27, and George Giannini, 65. Otten jumped from the window of her ninth floor room after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. He had left the room before she committed suicide. Otten, when she fell, landed on a pedestrian, Giannini, killing them both instantly. Poor guy. As there were no witnesses, police initially thought they jumped together. However, it was soon determined that Giannini had his hands in his pockets at his time of death and he was still wearing his shoes. Had he jumped, his shoes would have likely fallen off during the fall or upon impact and his hands would have not been in his pockets. Poor guy, right? You don't put your hands in your pockets when you're jumping out of the building? I guess not. I don't know. His shoes were on too. They're Sometimes like, I they're put like my some things aren't pocket. adding up. Hmm. Sometimes I put my hands in my pocket when I jumped I out of the building. I put my hands up in the air sometimes. Don't fucking. Hey, they're playing my song. The butterflies now. fly away. Ooh, wrong. We both. Got- <laughs> <laughs> we went with Why two different, songs, different guys. Holy shit. I'm hurting. Couple more. We're almost done, guys. I know this is a list, but it's. I don't know. It's important to show you what, what kind of deaths occur Shit's here. Fucked up. And why there's such bad vibes you here. You say dude. bad vibes. That's fucking 
spirit energy, dude. I I'm love telling you. Like, you. You're fucking wild and okay. Well, I think spirits can be different from ghosts. You go. Yeah. Yeah. But, so no. okay. Next one is going to be June fourth, nineteen sixty four. A Gemini. I was going to say Gemini Queen. season, but she was named known as Pigeon Goldie Osgood. A hotel worker discovered her dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room was ransacked. Oh my Osgood was really well known around the area and had earned the nickname Pigeon Goldie because she fed birds in the nearby Pershing Square. Oh, yeah. Near her body was the Los Angeles Dodgers cap that she always wore and a paper sack full of bird seed. Mm. Hours after her murder, Jacques B. Ellinger was seen walking through Pershing Square in bloodstained clothing. Sus. He was arrested and charged with Osgood's murder, but was later cleared of the crime. It still remains unsolved, unfortunately. Bitch, how the fuck he got blood all over his clothes then? It's a bad area, bro. I'm rioting. I don't know. Okay. Yo, there's a crazier story with Richard Ramirez later. I'll tell you what. December 20th, 1975, Allison Lowell, a still unidentified woman, jumped from her 12th floor window onto Cecil's second floor roof. She had registered at the hotel on December 16th, four days prior, under the name Allison Lowell. September 1st, 1992, was a 20-year jump. The body of an African-American man was found in the alley behind the Cecil. Police said he had either fallen, jumped, or been pushed from the hotel's 15th floor. This 20 to 30-year-old man has never been identified. February 19th, 2013, 10 years later. This is Elisa Lamb. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into Elisa Lamb right now, the details of her body, but she had checked in. I'm going to talk about it in its own section in a little bit. But basically, she she had checked in early January, and a couple weeks later, she was found to be missing. And eventually, her body was found, and she was dead. And lastly, June 13th, 2015, the body of a 28-year-old man was found outside the hotel. Some thought that he may have committed suicide by jumping from the hotel, although the county coroner said that the cause of death has not been determined. 13. 13 suicides. That's an unlucky number, too. Holy oh, shit. I don't like it. Whoa. I'm not I just like realized it. that, too. No. So, you can see that the Cecil Hotel has a, whew, a tragic it's and very deadly right? history. Mm-hmm. So... Along with these many deaths, Mm -hmm. there are a couple serial killers who actually stayed at the Cecil Hotel as well. Um, You might have heard of them. Richard Ramirez, known as the Night Stalker, he stayed at the hotel in the 1980s. And basically what he did, he had a highly publicized home invasion and murdering crime spree which terrorized the residents of the greater Los Angeles area because he didn't just stick to one area. Oh, wow. And the residents of the San Francisco Bay Area from June 1984 until August 1985. During this time, he stayed at the Cecil Hotel for a a good amount of time on the 14th floor. So, get this. He would come back from committing his crimes, strip down to his underwear in the alleys outside of the hotel, and walk back through the lobby half-naked and unnoticed. And I just want to say, if you walk through a fucking lobby half naked and unnoticed, what the fuck? He was unnoticed because this kind of thing was not uncommon in the Cecil Hotel. Oh my god. By the 1980s, the population and the people in the Cecil Hotel caused the hotel to decline so much so that these kinds of actions were not, it wasn't un, unnormal. Because, oh shit. think about it, they were seeing sketchy people every day, mm-hmm. prostitutes, people on drugs, Mentally ill people, unfortunately. Murders and suicides and violence every day. This was not, you know, they had much better, bigger things to worry about. Or honestly, they probably weren't paid enough to worry about shit like this. Oh, girl, so that that's is all I'm gonna say. my Listen, pay that's grade. all I'm going to say. If oh, someone... no, okay. me. Me as fuck. Okay, no, I would definitely report it because that's just who I am. But here's the thing. He did this multiple times walking through the hotel. 
he would strip down outside the alley after all of his all of his kills, throw his clothes in the dumpster next to the hotel. They probably just thought he was crazy. Like, and then walk back through the hotel in his underwear covered in blood. Like, and people Richie. literally didn't say anything. It's, this just shows yeah. you how much this hotel has declined yeah. from its initial customer basis as um, people up. who were traveling and business people to effectively people who are there for a night a couple weeks or a couple months based on eventually this this catered to the homeless population and people who needed a place to stay that was low cost my favorite thing about this is it's just reminds me of the titanic it's like yeah the titanic declined physically but this one declined in quality essentially metaphorically they're like let's talk about all this fucking great shit it's funny that you say that it's so fucking great it's really funny that you say that because in the documentary straight to the shitter in the documentary the general manager of the Cecil Hotel from 2007 to when it closed in 2017 compared the Cecil Hotel to the Titanic dude it's literally so bad she said said basically everyone was so excited to see that this ship sailed off into the distance it was so Mm -hmm. amazing it was such a great invention Mm -hmm. of its time that's what people thought the Cecil Hotel would be they thought that it was such an opulent lobby like they it was such a like the historic so much money into it the architecture of the building and everything they put so much effort into this building and then it just sank and it just slowly but surely just declined throughout the years i mean honestly and unfortunately i'm sure it's because of the location it was in what can you do that's that's what happens you you know that's crazy this his actions were not uncommon in the hotel and he it wasn't picked up upon he does get caught eventually and he was convicted in 1989 of 13 counts of murder Five attempted murders and 11 sexual assaults and 14 burglaries. Wow. So he is a very prominent serial killer. Yeah. I did not go into depth because obviously the story is not about him. Yeah. It is just very unnerving that this hotel draws in violence. Yeah. yeah and right. that's what people say. There's, it's a dark history. People go there because it's sketchy. It just reminds um, me of Velisca, you know. Yeah. How they say, you know, it's always got this dark energy, this dark mm-hmm. aura. Something's there, you know. So the judge who sentenced Ramirez upheld his 19 death sentences that he received for this, and he remarked that his deeds exhibited cruelty, callousness, and viciousness beyond any human understanding. And if you know anything about Richard Ramirez and his cases, they were bad. And maybe we'll go over it someday, you know, maybe it's a, it's a big case. So he died of complications from B-cell lymphoma while he was awaiting execution on California's death row. A couple years later, in the 1990s, another serial killer, Austrian Jack Unterwerger, stayed at the Cecil in 1991. He had a past of violence. He was actually convicted of murder in 1976 in his native country of Austria. Despite receiving a life sentence there, he began to write extensively while he was in prison, and his work actually gained the attention of the Austrian literary elite, who took it as evidence that he was rehabilitated and lobbied on behalf of him so that he would be released. I'm pissed. I it hate worked, Dude, bro. I fucking hate rich it people. It worked. I fucking hate He was hate released rich after 14 years in 1990. Jesus. After he murdered someone. I love that. And you know what he did? He went right back to murdering, bruh. He said Psych. He said seven more murders in Austria in that year and one more in Czechoslovakia. And then he, did he, like, flee the country? And then in 1991, he was hired by an Austrian magazine. I don't know why they were talking about this, but he was hired by an Austrian magazine to write about the crime in Los Angeles and the differences between the U.S. and the European attitudes towards prostitution. You know what they said? Perfect place to stay, Cecil Hotel, baby. Okay, you know what's funny to me, though? Hmm. They said, write about the crime, and he said, I'll do more than write about it. Uh-huh. He said, I'm about Well, it. at this time, he they, said, didn't, Dear they didn't have any proof. They didn't know it was him at this point. My man said, so autobiography. He goes, so he travels to, yeah, true. So he <laughs> travels to California in 
California stays at the Cecil Hotel, and during his time there, he killed at least three sex workers. Oh, my God. So, at some point in time, he comes under suspicion of all these deaths. And it led to a mad chase for this guy across multiple countries. Switzerland, France, and the United States. And he was eventually caught the next year in Miami in 1992. My man said, fuck it, I'm going to Cuba. This man was only out of jail for two years. Are you fucking kidding me? Whoa! Wait a minute. Holy shit. Holy shit. What fucking convicted fucking despite his... So when did he get out? Released on parole in 1990. He was only out of jail for... Holy fuck, he killed like 11 people. In two years. Holy shit. So he... He went Holy wild, shit. And this is oh what I'm saying. God. This man really fumbled the bag. Like, he was out of jail, and he could have had a happy life, but unfortunately, he had to go he back to his ways yeah, and yeah. murder people. That's fucking crazy. So, he's wow. extradited back to Austria, because that's where he's originally from, and a lot of the crimes happened in Austria, eight of them, mm. and in 1994, the government of Austria found him guilty of nine murders. I don't know if there wasn't enough evidence or what, but they only found him guilty of nine, but... Doesn't matter. He was issued. He was issued a life sentence, Mm -hmm. and this guy, he the same day that he was convicted, that same night he commits suicide. He hangs hangs himself in his cell. And you know what's kind of ironic? The way that he killed his victims was strangling them. Pop off, Alanis. So then he kills himself by strangulation. It's like rain. I thought that was a little ironic. He said, "I'll do what I do best." And isn't it ironic? Don't Don't you think? think? Moving past um, the serial killers portion, I guess, of the Cecil the Cecil Hotel's Ugh. history. Oh, only two in the hundred years? That's oh, some pussy not shit, guys. Get on it. Get not on enough. it. No, don't no. <laughs> yeah, don't please do don't, please don't. As we've heard, the Cecil Hotel did not have the best um, reputation. As we've heard. (laughs) The Cecil Hotel did not have the best reputation. And in 2007, it was bought by new management. Mm -hmm. And they decided that they were going to rename and rebrand the Cecil. (laughs) But here's what they did, bro. You're going to fucking die. They renamed it in 2011, Stay on Main. But you know what they did? They only made half of the hotel stay on Main. The other half was still the Cecil Hotel. And let me explain this. What the fuck? Hotel management developed a second lobby. There was a designated lobby for people for the stay on Main, and there was a lobby for the Hotel Cecil. No. Yes. There were shared bunk rooms for the stay on Main people because it was it was advertised as a youth hostel for the modern traveler. Interesting. While the long-term residents had their own separate floors and entrances. They all had the, except for they shared the guest eleva- the elevators. So basically, the the Cecil Hotel was split into two. There was from my laptop's pits. You guys hear this? Oh shit? my god! It's yeah, fucking angry. So the Cecil Hotel split into two. Think of it this way: half of the Cecil Hotel is now the Stay on Main, different lobby, different entrance. You walk five feet down the road, ten feet down the road, and there's the entrance for the Cecil Hotel. I have to be honest. I love a Gemini queen, okay? I yeah, have to be honest. It's like, um, they literally split the hotel in half, bro, and then, oh my god. That is my favorite I just, shit. I just don't see how this would go well, because they That's might have separate floors, they might have separate lobbies, but they share the fucking elevators, bro. That's like straight up how you get mugged in an and elevator. And here's the thing. You've got all these young travelers going to a place they don't know at all. Oh my god. It all oh, pisses me off. So, it makes me so mad. And I'm not saying these I don't people know are bad people, but, like, you're gonna fucking put tourists, which is, like, the pick of the fucking... So, here's the thing. Here's mm. the thing. It's branded as a youth hostel for the modern traveler on the mm-hmm. stay on main side, mm-hmm. and the other part is for the weekly and monthly guests. Okay. The people who are staying there, the tenants, basically, yeah. who, no, are, right. who are using the Cecil as an apartment mm-hmm. complex, basically. Which is fine. They can do that. Whatever. So, these people who are 
going to the stay on Maine are being tricked into thinking they're staying in a nice downtown L.A. hostel. And in reality, they get there and they're shocked to find that the location is in Skid Row and the hotel is less than friendly. Okay, well. It's literally, they get there, like there was in the documentary, there's a couple of people who talked about it. There was this one couple, I think, who traveled from England and they were booking their stay online and Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, the stay on Maine looks cheap, looks nice. They get there and when they get to the cab that is going to drop them to the hotel, he's like, oh yeah, it's Cecil, Cecil Hotel. They're like, no, no, it's Stay on Main. He was like, no, it's the Cecil Hotel. <gasps> and they get there. It's disgusting. It's gross. There's sketchy people. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, okay, I will say Google Maps. No, like they... Google Maps existed. No, like, but the you thing know, is, is can go still, online. But the stay on Main completely, they rebranded it, so They're it right was not associated with the Cecil Hotel. It didn't say Cecil Hotel at all? No. I'm Googling it. They, re- dude, and if you're... I'm if pissed, you're, though, if you're to be honest. That's not, fucked up. If you haven't heard the you Cecil Hotel, know. how are you going to know? know? You wouldn't know. Oh, my God, it's bad advertising, and it's know. honestly dangerous. No, I agree with you. Um, I fucking agree with you. I don't think it's very fair, and that's why I get so... I'm getting so worked up, because these poor people... No, that's ...think valid. they're staying at a hostel where they can, no, you know, right. spend a couple nights right. safely, and they can't. Yeah, no, dude, it's not even... The Cecil Hotel is not even online. No. Oh, my fucking God, that's so fucked and up! And it's still... I looked... It's oh still listed as a stay on Maine. It is. You're right. Holy shit, that is so fucked and up. And although you can't book a room, it still has room prices and reviews. I looked. <gasps> oh my god. You dude, can't even literally tell. fucking... Dude, it's not even... You're you can't so tell. right. That's Told fucked you. up. It's, it's, what the fuck is... Oh my god, it's false advertising. Wow. So, wow. I'm sorry, I can't believe that. No, it's okay. They have separate desks during the day. But all the stay on main guests deal with the Cecil's front desk after 7 p.m. because they oh, share I the same building. Kill and there's also no access to rooms I from mean, the stay on main entrance. You have to go through the Cecil's stairwell. What is the last person and who kills himself? I would do that shit too if I had to deal with that. Was it 2013? 15. Me too. Me too, pal. Last one was 2015. Me too, pal. So this is where we get to the case of Elisa Lamb. Mm-hmm. Elisa Lamb was one of these youth travelers who wanted a competitively low-priced hostel to basically stay at, and she'd never been to L.A. She's a Canadian student. She was mm-hmm. a Canadian student, um, 21 years old, and January 26, 2013, she checked into the Cecil Hotel. About a year earlier in 2012, she had a relapse of mental illness at the start of her school year, and she was forced to dropped several of her classes. Unfortunately, this left her with a feeling of utter directionlessness yeah. and and lost. feeling lost. Was she did she post that on her Tumblr? Mm-hmm. And the she, way that we mm-hmm. know these things is because she had a Tumblr account that documented her travels, like Chloe mentioned. So she was originally staying in one of the hostile accommodations with other roommates, but the hotel starts getting complaints about her from these other roommates. She wouldn't let them in without a secret password. She wouldn't let them in at all. Like, she was acting strangely. Mm-hmm. So she was moved into a room by herself a couple nights before she was supposed to check out. Her checkout comes, and she's nowhere to be found. So on three weeks later, January 31st, Elisa is declared missing because it's not the hotel's, yeah. you know, it's not the hotel's job to document these things. They just say, oh, okay, they didn't check out. She, her card was already on file. She already paid, probably. They just, you know, they, yeah, they, no, it right. happens a lot. People leave their things, and you're they right. have to put them to the side. You're right. A couple days later, her family started noticing that she wasn't contacting them, because she would call her family, like, every other day. Oh, that's um, so sweet. They noticed that she wasn't contacting them. They couldn't get a hold of her. She was declared missing a couple days after she was supposed to check out on January 31st. So three weeks later is February 19th. This is a gross Trigger part. warning. It's, it's kind of gross. We posted this on our Instagram, by the way. There's a meme. There's a meme. So, on February 19th, guests at the Cecil Hotel slash Stay on Main began complaining about the low pressure of the water and the taste of it in their rooms. The water was coming out 
like, brown. Yeah, brown and black. Yeah. Shortly after, the maintenance workers go up to the roof to the water tanks, and they find Elisa's body floating inside one of the tanks. I'm just gonna say, if these bitches had a palate like mine, would have known immediately. I'm just Lemon saying. in that I would not cookie. have let... They I were shot. They were showering decay. in this water. They I were drinking said, this water. Decay. Like, I'm like, girl, it was brown? I'm not using it. Call me a no, super taster, you. bitch. To be fair, I wouldn't Decay. even stay there, but that's just I me. mean, well... I'm just saying, if the water is even less than clear, I'm not drinking it. And that's... It was definitely more than less than clear. You know yeah, what I mean? It was, like, brown. They're like, hey, it's a little tinged. The, yeah, disgusting, bro. I was watching the documentary, and I was like, Ugh, I'm gonna throw up. Dude, they should have a documentary called Fifty Shades uh, of Grey on the fucking water. Fifty Shades of Brown at the Cecil Hotel. Oh, my um, God. The, the coroner of the case declared the death to be an accidental drowning. And additionally, the autopsy stated that there were no drugs or alcohol found in her system... And there was no signs of trauma. However, there are some weird things that go on in this case. And this is why this case blew up. This case blew up in true crime because there's some inconsistencies. The police needed help in solving this crime. And there was a elevator surveillance video that showed some of Lisa's actions and whereabouts before she was missing. Because they could not tell. She was missing because they literally could not tell where she was. She wasn't found in the hotel anywhere. They yeah. searched. They searched every room. They searched the roof. Yeah. They did not search the water tanks. So the when they found her, it's because of the maintenance worker opening up the water tank and checking. So this case blew up because they published the elevator surveillance video in hopes that the public might be able to help. This kind of backfired on them because Elisa is acting so weirdly in these videos. Yeah. And it's choppily cut. Like, they didn't release it just straightforward. It looks like it's slowed down. It looks like there's minutes missing. So they released this shoddy video, and people start to have conspiracy theories. I would, too. So Elisa, in this video, just basically, Elisa goes in and out of the elevator multiple times, like, over the span of five minutes. Yeah. In and out, in and out. She goes in, she presses random buttons, she takes her hand, and she starts at the top and just presses all the bottom, like, all the way to the bottom. And, again, she goes in and out. At some point, it looks like she's talking to someone outside the elevator. She's looking outside the elevator like someone's following her. Mm -hmm. It's weird. It's very weird. So this leads to a lot of conspiracy theories. And there's some other inconsistencies as well. Her clothes were found at the bottom of the water tank. Why was she naked when she died? Going That's weird. Boys. How did she get onto the locked roof without triggering the emergency alarm? So here's the thing. The way that Elisa got onto the roof in the first place, there's two ways. There is the door that's employee personnel only that takes you to the roof, which you need a key and an alarm will go off. Or there's the fire escape. They think she went through the fire escape, which is why nothing went off. The fire escape has to stay open because of emergency reasons. And also there's other questions of how did she actually get into the water tank? Because the lids are heavy. They weren't locked. They started to be locked after this case. I guess you can, you can guess why. And how was the lid tank closed after she got in? If she was the one who put herself in there. Yeah. So it's just kind of inconsistencies where people are having all these conspiracies and it goes over that in the documentary please watch it if yeah if you i liked it i thought it was good obviously there's going to be critics but i thought it was a very good summary of what happened here's the final revelation by the police in the coroner's office mm -hmm. elisa had a history of bipolar disorder and depression she had taken this trip to la to get some real life experience and find herself and she talked about this in her travels on her Tumblr blog. Yeah. I think it was Nouvelle Nouveau, which is French. I don't know what that That's means. Cute. It just means new now, essentially. It's the feminine and masculine oh, version of new. Oh, cool. Okay. So um, that was I'm the title of her blog. Of I think it's still I think it's still up. You can still look up posts from it. Um, I hate that. It was never deleted. So. You're right. She, did you just Google it? 
Oh my god. Wait, 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 wait. Don't look at it, but... I don't know. I wouldn't want to look. That kind of spooks me. It's like, she posted a lot of art, life, and model, and fashion. It looks like there's nothing else on it. All her posts were archived. Yeah. So, she was a writer. She would write about all her experiences on this blog. So, it became a really big piece of evidence throughout the case. Yeah. So, here's what the officials think happened. Mm -hmm. Well, they have a pretty good basis of evidence. And honestly, I think this is what happened, too. I'm not a fan of conspiracy theories. I like logic and, you know, realism. And if you want to look up those conspiracies, (laughs) feel free. I've listened to a couple podcasts about it. Morbid Podcast does one. It's very interesting theories mm-hmm. on there. Feel free to listen to that. So here's here's what they think happened. It was believed that she stopped taking her medication somewhere along this trip. And the the reason they believe that is because in her system they didn't find any drugs. Yeah. Slash they didn't find any recreational drugs, but they also found a lack of the psychiatric drugs that she was supposed to be taking. Oh. So she was on she was on, she was on like a couple different things, four different ones. But again, that's she had a history of mental illness. So she stopped taking her medications and this led to her erratic behavior. This led to her being moved rooms. Her roommates there were saying that she was acting weird and eventually yeah. her actions in the elevator surveillance video is very much seemed like she was having a psychotic break. Yeah. So the final ruling in her death was that it was accidental and that she had a psychotic episode. Her sister also confirms that that Elisa had a history of suffering delusions or paranoia yeah. a, about persecution, explaining this explains her ele- her behavior in the elevator. Here's the theory that police have. She stopped taking medication. Mm-hmm. She gets into this psychotic break. Mm-hmm. She is going in and out of the elevator thinking someone's following her. Mm-hmm. She eventually makes her way up to the roof. I'm not sure why. She gets to the roof to hide. And she sees the water tank. Perfect place to hide, right? She gets in. She can't get back out, unfortunately, because she can't reach the top. I think the reason why her clothes are on the very bottom is because, one, she was trying to less weigh herself down because I think she was dressed for, like, cold weather. Or, two, hypothermia started to set in. And uh, an effect of hypothermia is you start to actually overheat. Yeah. Uh, When you feel like you're overheating, you're not. So they think it was one of those two things. That's the case of Elisa Lamb at the Cecil Hotel. But this case shot the Cecil Hotel into infamy. Right. Um, there is so many people who went and toured this hotel. A lot of YouTubers, vloggers, just everyone was, had had some piece of info or some opinion about the Cecil Hotel and they posted online about it. There's so much out there about it. And a lot of web sleuths tried to solve this crime as well. Yeah. And they have different conspiracy theories. There's also a lot of cultural references to this hotel. A couple being, in 2015, the fifth season of American Horror Story. That's yeah. loosely based on the Cecil Hotel. Wow. AHS Hotel. Is that the one with Gogs? Yes. Like that's the one with Lady Gaga. So that's loosely based on the Cecil Hotel. In 2017, Investigation Discovery presented a three-part miniseries on the Cecil Hotel titled mm. Horror at the Cecil Hotel. In 2021, the paranormal reality television series Ghost Adventures covered the story of the Cecil Hotel. Love that. In a special episode of Ghost Adventures Cecil Hotel. And last but not least, in 2021, Netflix broadcast a four-episode docuseries titled Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel which is the one that I watched, and that explores specifically Elisa Lamb's death, and that premiered on February 10th, so about a month ago. Looking at the Cecil Hotel today, in 2014, 
the hotel was sold again. So the year after Elisa Lamb's death, it was sold again to a New York City hotelier, Richard Bourne, for $30 mm-hmm. million. And then a New York-based firm, Simon Barron Development, acquired a 99-year ground lease on the property. So I guess that's a lease for 99 years. I don't really know what that means. Yeah. I'm going to guess. It's pretty self-explanatory, it sounds like. In 2016, Matt Barron, the president of Simon Barron, said he was committed to the preservation of the architecturally or historically significant com- components of the building, such as the hotel's grand lobby. But his company planned to completely redevelop the interior and fix the his words, quote-unquote, hodgepodge work that had been done in recent years, which, to be fair, I mean, stay shit. on Maine, sounds a little hodgepodgey, so I don't blame you. No, I don't fucking blame them at all. Um, and then, beyond renovating the rooms, they're also looking into planning a gym, a lounge, and a rooftop pool. I don't know how I feel about the rooftop pool, specifically in regards to Alicia Lamb's death. fucking kill themselves, y'all. Um, but just specifically in regards to Elisa Lamb literally drowned on the roof, uh, it bad vibes to me. And it officially closed for renovation in 2017. It's still closed for renovation. Um, oh my god. It's 2021. It's been four years. Well, it's been a panoramic. Um, in these plans, it'll continue to have hotel and residential units. It currently holds 299 hotel rooms and 301 single room occupancy residences. Today, the Cecil Hotel is still known as Stay in Maine. I think I they're keeping that. that name. No, it's um, not changed, so Right. Yeah, I think they're keeping that name, and I think Cecil Hotel is just... I think they're trying to leave it in the past, but you, you're fucking... You're funny you if you think I'm staying there. can't that much past no, thank in you. the past, babes. So, oh, you're not going to stay there with me when it reopens? Come Maybe. on! We got to go to Villisca? Bro, it's in Skid Row. Like, I'm scared. You got me. I'm spooky looking. I'm just saying. I, it's also supposed to be really... I don't know. Maybe if they improve it a lot, but... I, bad vibes. I'm not getting bed bugs. You're right. Bad I vibes. feel that for sure. Bad vibes. For that, I feel. I just... Mm, I don't want to... Mm. I so, got a Glock. It's okay. Shut up. So, in February 2017, the Los Angeles City Council also voted to deem the Cecil a historic cultural monument, so it will never be torn down. Um, because of its representative listen of an early 20th century American hotel and because of the historic significance of its architect's body of work. I don't know about that, man. They say historic body of work, the water's brown. To be fair, I don't not fucking... true. To be fair, I'm thinking maybe a lot of the hotels from that era around that are, aren't there gone. anymore. No, you're right, because so, they demolished them instead exactly. of doing the repairs. And, and, and over the years, instead of... My I, I think uh, over the years, a lot of them probably just closed anyways, because that's not a very common hotel situation yeah. anymore. Well, my thought process is just that, you know, like, you guys can say it's a historical cultural monument as long as you want, but, like, it needs to be fucking restored to yeah. its historic, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? I like, think, honestly, I think the only thing that kept that. the Cecil yeah. going was the residents from Skid Row. Oh, no, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. The, there was no... That was a, that was a very steady income. Yeah. 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 Although reports in 2019 indicated that the hotel may reopen in late 2021, it's unclear whether the coronavirus pandemic has delayed the renovation process at all. Yeah. So who knows when it's going to open? There's no limit. They're not releasing any information on it. And that's where the hotel stands today. I actually, while I was researching, found an article about someone who lives across the street from the Cecil hotel and the experiences that they've had with it so a guy named pete monzingo who is a singer and content creator <laughs> he makes tiktoks me uh, lives directly <laughs> lives directly across this i love how that's just a title now content creator like shut the fuck up you make tiktoks stop that's oh, so, so mean don't insult jenna marbles oh my god she's like an og content creator that's though. my main bitch i love that um, one. he lives literally directly across the street from the CISO hotel and in his TikToks he posts about it I don't know if it was because of the recent documentary that came out that kind of like sparked his TikToks or if he's been posting about them 
Yeah, you can watch them. It's Pete Monzingo. I don't know his TikTok. It's been empty and closed for three years, but he says that sometimes he sees shadows and weird lights moving in and around in different mm. windows. He says, a couple times I've even seen figures. Once <laughs> I even saw a girl who looked like she was about to jump, but it turned out she was an actress on Ghost Adventures. Well, always do he well. says, he says, I don't think I believe that because I didn't see any cameras around. Girl, that's Come on. not how it works. Kim. Yeah, I know. That's what I was like. Mm, eh, kind Kim, of a stretch. Love you, babes. But I was like, kind of a stretch. He has a drone and he doesn't understand how. <laughs> so he says the doors are locked and then there are bars on the front windows. So I haven't been able to go inside. Yeah, no shit, trespasser. I'm sure you could. However, I have explored all around it and there's definitely a creepy vibe. He posts TikToks of him trying to fly a drone into the hotel and what the area around the Cecil Hotel is like. He says mostly what he sees is that there's a lot of differences from one day to the next in the hotel. Mm. He says one day there will be a door open, then shut the next. Sometimes I'll actually catch the doors closing by themselves. Lights on in one room and the next day they're not. I'll even notice the subtle differences in the curtains. Every couple days I'll get on a TikTok live and show everyone, take screenshots, and compare the differences for themselves. Mm. The crazy part is that 99% of the time I don't see anyone going in and out of the hotel. I just, here's the, like, honestly, this sounds bad, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. super into paranormal. I don't believe this man. Yeah, I'm like, just like, I don't, I'm homie, there's too I'm like, much homie, going on. Homie, sometimes you can't see people moving doors and moving curtains. It's not that, you know, I don't think, you know, he, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not saying you're a bad person. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. No, I just, I don't, I don't believe is what I, I'm like, saying. I don't care. Like, I just think it's being renovated and people want to content well, create. And, you know, you have, you know, the whole situation with Transient. It's on Skid Row. I don't know what the area is like now. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked into it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't know if these doors opening and closing is people. And also wind. Like, if there's broken. How'd you get your I'm drone saying, in there if the, people... if the things are probably a broken window i don't know he's saying that he never sees people going in and out even though it's supposedly under renovation right it's a pandemic i don't know if people are renovating it right now well also like where do you think they're going in and out of because what if they're not taking the main entrance yeah they wouldn't take the main entrance that's just i wanted to include that because i thought it was kind of cool while i was searching for it like someone actually lived across from the cecil hotel and they kind of documented yeah that's why the cecil hotel blew up in true in the true crime community and also social media i'm sure you've been seeing things about it on twitter or instagram i just thought it was a really cool case um i love historic buildings people in history i just like that kind of thing and when it coincides with true crime i'm just like i'm in so no i agree i just i wanted to do it and it's cool to know the history behind a building instead of you know the history of maybe one case like this encompasses multiple cases i hope y'all liked it yeah been fucking lit kids leave us a comment or a tweet or a gmail if you want to yeah if you want to request any cases yeah i'm i'm pretty excited to see what's coming next this was a really awesome case for me so yeah we'll hopefully only go up from here yeah our socials of course as per usual we got we got the og twitter at double trouble tc you want to pop off with them on the gram? Yeah, we got Instagram on double.trouble.pod. Hell yeah, bitch. She popping off. And then we got our Gmail as well, doubletroublepod at gmail.com. Hit us up if you have any suggestions, mm-hmm. questions, anything like that. Our manager is Max. If you complain <laughs> to him, he doesn't speak fucking English. So He'll fucking meow at you. Fuck ye. Um, we're also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah. So I think we tweeted it, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, we definitely did. I did make sure we were on Apple Podcasts, so we're able to be listened to exciting. on multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. If you know anyone that has been able to listen to us because they don't have Spotify or something, Let just us give know. them a heads up, because we got that shit. We got it, boys and girls. We got ways. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. we got them. We got ways. So, <laughs> so we do want to say thanks for listening, and remember, stay out of trouble. But if you can't, 
Keep, keep it, it double. double.